0: So let's end this year's Halloween season with um, probably... I don't want to say it's the, the weirdest film that's come out in a way of like... You know, this is the film they sort of decided to do for this franchise. You know, we're talking about a film that has roots in a deeper version of what horror film history is. You know, when you think of The Exorcist, you really think of that first one from the 70s. I think it's like 1971 or 72, if I'm not mistaken. It might even be 73. Um, Because the novel is from the late 60s, so the movie has to be early 70s. if 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 I'm remembering correctly, I believe my time frame is right on that. But you're talking about a set of films that there are tons of exorcism films out there. But they're not all connected like these ones are. The Essential Trilogy is The Exorcist, The Exorcist 2, and The Exorcist 3. I think there's another name for The Exorcist 2. Then there's the prequels that came out, which were Exorcist The Beginning. And then another one that I think was just titled Prequel to The Exorcist. Something weird like that. Now we have another entry, which they've labeled a reboot. But it's not. It's one of these new requels that they're doing. And what's interesting is when you look at the guy who directed it, it's directed by the same guy who, who wrote and directed the three Halloween sequels we just got, which are essentially also requels in and of themselves. And what I mean by requel, if you haven't been exposed to that term yet, it's sort of a reboot and a sequel at the same time. So, what they're doing is they're sort of restarting the sort of franchise by talking about stories that are portraying similar events from the first ones, or at least something in the first part of the series, and then redoing it, but it's also a sequel to those stories, also kind of negating much of everything else in a way. So, essentially what The Exorcist Believer is, it's a direct sequel after the events of, I want to say, the first film. But not, like, really directly, directly after. It takes place, I want to say, 40 years, I believe they mentioned. I think it's, like, within time frame to exactly how, like, if they said that the year of the first Exorcist and all the events that happened there actually existing in those words, in that world. If it's 1970, it takes place this year. So if I do that math correctly, that's 50 years. So yeah, 40 or 50 years after the events of that first film is where this this story picks up and takes place. Now, what originally was portrayed as being this sort of double possession sort of is, but then it sort of isn't it because it's unfortunate. Now, this doesn't have a lot of good reviews. It's made its money, you know, it's financially relatively successful in terms of what you would expect. But critically, it's not very well received. A lot of people don't like it. I'm not saying I don't like it. What I'm saying is that it has a lot of flaws. And a lot of those flaws are in its marketing because from the marketing, we saw a lot of what we expected to be a double possession. You sort of get that. But they, like, cut it off at the legs way too often. They make it where too many things are missing to make it make enough sense or to make the story a little bit better. Like, they focused on certain things that also progress the story forward while not focusing on the things that would add to the story in a positive light. Like, there is such a thing as fodder. I've mentioned that in plenty of, of my entries on different movies throughout the years that I've been doing this movie fodder is a real thing where they just blowed out a film to make it longer and because it's longer it means it means more not true like if you have the good quality storytelling aspects and good plot devices within a film you can make it all make sense have a lengthy enough film and have it do justice to whatever story you're trying to tell because it was missing so many things That you needed for this sort of quote-unquote dual possession storyline. It falls short in a lot of areas. So now what happens in the film and what exactly takes place? Okay, so not going to ruin too much of it. But the basic synopsis is yes, it is sort of still a dual possession. What happens is these two girls who are sort of friends go into the woods to do a seance. Of course. Why do they want to do a seance? Well, because one of the girls' mother died. Uh in an earthquake in another country and she was pregnant with her and the father kind of had the choice that he needed to make where he had to save one of them or the other was going to sort of die. And that's what you sort of saw that it was kind of setting up. So the daughter lives, the mother dies. He raises her. She's like 16 now. So those events happen way much longer. She's never met her mother and she wants to do the seance because she wants to talk to her mother. Of course, seance goes wrong and then they go missing and of course that's when the families kind of connect and they go off trying to find them they don't find them they pop up randomly three days later they think it's been a couple of hours and of course they're all ex- they're all kind of showing really extreme behavior they run a bunch of tests nothing is physically wrong with them they take them home and then you are shown the perspective of what it's like with them when they're home and i should actually rephrase it i say them you don't actually see one of the girls. You see the girl that's the main focus of the story, which if they were going for a dual sort of possession, you would have all of these story aspects shown from the other girl's mind as well. But they didn't do that. So because they didn't do that, you, you, you lose any sort of feelings you have towards this character you don't care about anything she does or anything that happens to her because you haven't done all of the same character building that you're now doing with this girl because they show her with her father and her father tries to like bathe her and she can't do it and she's having seizures and she's getting snippy with him and she's seeing things in the house and you see all that from one girl you need to see all that from both girls to have the same sort of investment in either of their stories by the end of it all Because they left out a lot of that, which I believe maybe there were some cuts made. There were decisions made beforehand. So if that's the case, maybe there's a director's cut line around there somewhere that I would love to see. Because I really would love to see something that made me more investment in the other girl than the one that the film basically focuses on the entire time. Essentially, they get put into a mental asylum. The father is given the, the perspective that it could be a possession. He doesn't really believe, and then he starts to believe, of course. And then he learns about the exorcists uh, or the ex not an exorcist, an exorcism of Reagan decades beforehand. And he learns about that because what happened is Reagan's mother went on this sort of tour to try to really bring to light what she experienced and kind of let other people know that she's there for them. And that she can help in any way shape or form that she can. And of course kind of goes into the solace. Because there's you learn that there's also a disconnect between her and Reagan, Which is why you actually don't see um, Selma Blair in the film. You only see the actress who played the mother. Because she returns for the film as the character. Uh, um, I think their first name is Chris. Chris uh, McNeil the mother to Reagan McNeil. And she... Plays a role in kind of teaching the father what he has to deal with and what he has to do in order to kind of rid the demon from his daughter. So they all, he tries to go into all these different religions, you know, they try to get somebody who believes in, you know, um, hoodoo practice they get uh, a catholic priest they get all the, they get all the stuff together they want to do the séance because they think that's going to help and that's going to you know rid their daughters of the possession so they all get together it's sort of meant to be like this community event of course at the very last second the father backs out so what happens is there's a nurse who used to want to be a nun so she's practiced a lot she winds up doing the exorcism and of course fails the hoodoo priestess is trying she fails they, you know, the, the, the for a almost two hour film, I think it's like an hour 40, the last 40 minutes is all the exorcism. So the first hour is all, you know, character development and story building. So the last 40 minutes is the exorcism. So you're going through all this stuff that's happening with them. And then, of course, what happens is the demon tri- that doesn't trick them, but presents them with a way out that essentially says, you must pick one to survive. We will keep one one will stay here, essentially. So it's trying to make them butt heads and whatnot. At this point, the priest who was involved at the beginning and then all of a sudden left because the church said that he can't be a part of it and the church can't be a part of it, he comes in, you think, oh yeah, he's going to save the day. And now, within like seconds, they kill him. But they hadn't killed a single other person in that room, but they kill the priest. It's just... There's a lot of things that you could really say are bad but there is an underlining of the idea of you know showing community and really trying to show the forces of good against the forces of evil but essentially at the end of the day this is a movie where the evil kind of wins i don't want to tell you how you definitely have to see it if you haven't yet and you know give your own perspective on it but essentially what it's saying is that evil will sort of always win unless you're unless you you stick together And because they don't all stick together by the very end of it, the evil essentially wins. That's how I'll end off how I really explain the film to you, so I don't tell you exactly what happens. But what I will say is what happens doesn't have a lot of meaning to it. And I think that's another reason why it's getting poor reviews. Because again, I feel like there's a director's cut out there somewhere that shows a bunch of shit that we were supposed to see in the film that they took out for some reason because... There's a lot missing that makes me feel bad in the end. There's a lot missing to give me any sort of feeling that I should have towards how this movie ends. And because all of that is gone and the the film in and of itself is void of trying to make me have those feelings, I don't care for the ending. And that's really shitty because The Exorcist is a huge franchise. You're talking about there being five films deep. This is the sixth film it's supposed to be a really good requel with a guy backing it up that has experience in this before oh did did i also mention that one of the story writers for it was danny mcbride i don't think i mentioned that yet but yeah danny mcbride he's also attached to this film in some way shape or form very strange everything is very strange and it just all doesn't add up the way it should so it's kind of upsetting But there's another one planned. Maybe he's going to try to redeem himself. Maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, for an exorcism movie for this year, it could be worth it. But I I would definitely say like you will be scared, but you might also be disappointed.